Wildfire Concepts presents Seven Figure Furnace Digital Marketing Discussions with Internet Made Millionaires with your host, Cindy Donovan. Episode number two, I interview Neil Napier, who has been responsible for many multiple six-figure webinars throughout 2014, 2015, and now 2016. He is absolutely smashing it. His strategy is actually quite unique in that he doesn't create the products himself. Rather, he offers what he calls WAS, and I'll let him explain that to you a little bit more, but basically he finds clients who have products and creates high converting webinars for them. So during this episode, Neil is going to reveal how he finds his clients, how to position your service, how to make sure that your webinars sell and how to systematize it to run as smoothly and efficiently as possible. So welcome, Neil. It's fantastic to have you here. Thank you, Cindy. Good to be here. Thank you. Before we jump in, can you share with us how you first learned about webinars and how long you've been, you know, what your experience is with webinars? Sure. So uh, when I was, uh, I was back in 2010, I was working for this company in the UK and uh, they had to let me go because they were cost cutting following the 2008 recession. So it was quite a bad time. And a friend of mine told me about, you know, freelancing online. So I got into freelancing online and slowly, you know, just by that, I met a lot of different marketers who were selling products online. And, uh, you know, one of the marketers actually became my mentor later on. And he told me about the power of webinars. He showed me exactly how he was doing webinars. And I realized that that was the way to go if you really wanted to connect with your audience at a more personal level. Because, you know, webinar allows you to get a lot of people on a call at the same time and actually answer their questions, generally stay there, demonstrate what you have for them, answer their questions, overcome their objections. These things you can't do on a video. So he taught me all these things and he showed me exactly how he structured his webinars, how he was able to take you know, a list that wouldn't respond anymore to a list that would convert for even offers as high as like $2,000 a piece. So he showed me this this whole strategy, you know, which went beyond just email marketing or just video marketing. And I think, you know, that was that was a really, really big game changer for me because I realized that the market was so much bigger, the opportunity was so much bigger than we knew. And, you know, that was about three and a half years ago or so. I had done one webinar before that, I must say. I, you know, I got lucky. I had launched something. I had about 100 sales, not too many. And I got five people on a webinar and I was pitching a $497 product. And I got lucky I made one sale. And that itself was exciting enough to know that this can work. And, you know, back then, 500 bucks, you know, for like an hour's worth of work was a lot of money for me. Of course, now the numbers are numbers much different. But, you know, just by doing that webinar, I knew that this could be a successful strategy that I could keep on doing over and over again. Right. Well, being able to sell higher tickets, I mean, if you can sell a $1,000 product versus, you know, $110 products, it's a lot easier to just close that one sale, especially if you can connect with people and get really like face-to-face with them like you can with webinars. Exactly. I mean, actually on that call, I got all of, you know, because there were only five people, I got them all on the call to talk with me. And that really reduced the, the objection rate they had because now they knew that I was approachable and webinars make that happen in video you're just watching someone on screen in email you're just reading text but in webinars you're actually there with them you know in the moment listening to them you know interacting with them and so on so it's it's very good Mm. so why don't we dive into this and you can just share with us what does WAS mean 
Sure. I mean, I don't think it's an official term. I think I'm the first person to actually coin it, which might, you know, set a trend. Uh, but as there is software as a service or platform as a service, PAS, I've coined the term webinar as a service, WAS. You're basically doing webinars for other people. Now, now here's the thing you have to understand, that there are not a lot of people out there that can do webinars. I mean, let alone that, there are not a lot of people out there that know about webinars or, or know the power of doing webinars. So my aim when I perfected webinars for myself, my own products and services, was to offer this as a service to clients as well. So what I started doing was reaching out to people who I knew had a product launch coming up, but they didn't have a pre-launch strategy. They didn't really have a webinar you know, because I knew that can work really well for us. And I knew I could help someone else make money if I could do webinars for them. So I simply approached them and said, hey, listen, this is what I do in my business. You know, ABC, this is how I structure everything. What I can do as well for you is help you structure a webinar. I'll just consult with you. I'll just tell you what to do. I'll tell you how to position your pre-launch. I'll tell you how to position your webinar, and then you can do it. But still, they had an objection. They said, sure, but I still don't want to do it, or I don't have the skills to do it. Can you do it? And then I realized, okay, instead of just offering them a consulting package, I could actually do the webinar for them. So I could be a webinar spokesperson for them and actually take care of the whole thing, you know, myself. So this, this, the service was born. So I realized that there was big need in the market for people who could run, who could number one consult with other people about webinars. But if, if the vendor didn't want to do it themselves, who could actually do webinars for them as well? As I'll, as I, you know, we'll hopefully discuss that today. I want to share like how to also find clients who already have high-ticket coaching, are already public speakers, and you just go in and help them, teach them how to do webinars, and they do it themselves. So, you know, this is kind of very crucial to actually setting up your own service, being able to consult with people. And, of course, if they're not able to, you actually do the webinars for them as well. Okay, so when you're consulting with a client, are you talking about, um, you know, you, you find someone who has a product, um, do you then build the webinar pitch for them or do you just consult them and, and tell them step-by-step step, this is what you should be doing on the webinar or are you talking about sure. doing the whole thing? So, so it really depends on the package, mm -hmm. right? So, so if, I was if I was to take the very cheapest package that I would have, I would say, okay, I know you have a product, I know you have, let, let, let me actually use an example as well. So one of them is a JVZoo marketplace. The other one would be an Amazon marketplace where there are bestsellers who are writing nonfiction books about, you know, how to, how to have a better body language or how to understand people better. Let's say that's their goal. And they also have a high ticket coaching or, or let's say even if they don't have a high ticket coaching, what I would do, number one, the cheapest service would be to consult with them, to actually, you know, go, go to them, talk with them about what they do, what their business is like and discuss maybe that they could have a higher $2,000, $5,000 package. Or if it's a product launch in the JVZoo marketplace, simply going to them and telling them that, okay, you should do a webinar and this is how you should, you know, pitch it. This is what you should do. And that's a very, basic package, just consulting with them. A little bit more is when actually I create presentations for them. So not only do I tell them what to do, but I actually do it for them. I create the presentations, I help them write their emails, and that's it. And I think the final package is where I actually do everything for them, which means that they bring in all the traffic. So I'm not responsible for traffic at all. They bring in all the traffic. They have the product. I simply create the presentation. I create the emails. And then I deliver that presentation live on a call to their audience, you know, while having them on the call as well. So, of course, depending on what they go for, the price varies. And, and always I try and come up with something in which I can get a flat fee 
as well as a commission percentage on top, just because you never know what the other person's like. You know, they might not be able to even be able to put up like 100 people on the call. And in that case, if you're working based on commissions, you lose money. So you really want to come up with a balance. If you're consulting, just go ahead and charge a flat fee. If you're actually doing some work as well, charge a percentage as well. And if you're doing everything, charge a hefty percentage in that case. Mm. So for our seven-figure fairness listeners out there, you guys um, have to, you, you should see by now that there's a lot of products out there that aren't being delivered and probably could be delivered via a webinar. So if you can, you know, you can look at the marketplace and you can find products that are selling, you know, top quality products backed by great support but are just missing that, you know, final step to actually connect with the clients and, and get them to come in and hand over their money in a way that they wouldn't have done before. And that's pretty much what you do, isn't it, Neil? So how do you find your clients? How do you actually, you know, do you have places where you go? Do you generally hang around JVZoo or are you looking for Amazon clients or how do you find your clients? So there are three places. I think for me, because I'm already in the market, the lowest hanging fruit for me is the JVZoo marketplace. So I can tell you, and I've been looking at launches recently just to study this a bit more, and about eight, out of 10 launches don't do pre-launch webinars and every pre-launch webinar I do does between you know three to six thousand dollars plus customer list as well so I know that if I approach the right ones if even if I do four or or you know six a month that's already good money for mm -hmm. me so I think you know for anyone who's kind of trying to break through in this market and they already have you know good way to actually um, you know position webinars then I would think JVZoo marketplace is the simplest one number one but what has also worked in past is reaching out to Amazon bestsellers. And, you know, by bestsellers, I don't mean only top three people in the list, but anyone who has a nonfiction book, for example, published on Amazon. Because if they're talking about business management, if they're talking about, <clears throat> you know, some kind of um, public speaking or psychology, they already have skills then, you know, they would need to talk, for example. So you don't even need to do anything there. You just need to reach out to them. And they probably already have a high ticket package. If they don't, you can help them construct one. So that's, I mean, it's not the lowest hanging fruit, but it's still pretty good because these people are already selling something. They have money to pay you if you approach them. So, you know, there's something we've employed quite a lot in the past is reaching out to Amazon bestsellers and approaching them with a simple email saying, hey, listen, this is what I do. And I can help you do the same as well if you don't do that already. If you do a bit of research, going to their websites and finding out if they have high ticket package, that would help you. But even if you don't, you will find a lot of them come back to you because they want to make money too. I mean, we all want to make money with our skills, with our trade, you know, whatever we do. The third way to get clients is actually reaching out to people via YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, let's say you look for SEO tutorials, right? And you find a really, you know, intelligent guy who, or girl who's talking about SEO and they need to know, uh, they seem to know everything they, they should know about SEO. You reach out to them and say, hey, listen, this is what I do. Do you sell SEO services? Do you sell SEO training? And in most cases, people would be, would be like, no, I just give it away for free. Then you could say, well, how about we construct, you know, a whole package around what you do. We price it $5,000 and I can help you with the webinars. You just have to bring in the traffic, which you are already getting from your YouTube videos. Right. So, you know, if you, if you structure it like that, these people already have the list. They just don't know that they should be doing webinars. And even then, they don't know how to do webinars. And I think that's where anyone could come in and add a USB to their bottom line.
Yeah, absolutely. And that's just basically free money because these guys already know how to present on YouTube. They know how to get in front of the camera and, and do all of that. You just need to guide them and to package them and, and get them into your service. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it is quite easy because these guys are, are ready. They just want to know about it. And, you know, you just yeah. go and tell them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we've discussed um, how to find clients, how to position yourself and how to package your service. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about how to sell on the webinars. So what is your approach when it comes to actually guiding someone from, you know, once they actually get onto your webinar, how to guide them towards the sale? Sure. See, uh, I'll say this up front that a lot of people and I'm actually working with an apprentice right now. He's really afraid of selling. He's like, I feel embarrassed about it. I don't feel good about it. But thing is, you know, once people actually start talking with you, they or they come to your webinar, they want to be pitched to. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, they know why they're there. They're there to learn, of course, but they also want to buy. So, you know, you have to sell because if you don't sell at that point, you're doing injustice to yourself. You're doing injustice to them. It's like, I mean, I want to use that analogy. It's like, you know, heating up your dinner and not, not eating it at all. You're saying, I'm not hungry anymore, right? Or I don't feel like I should eat meat anymore. So if you bring people to a point where, you know, they are primed to buy from you, please do sell. Because if you don't, they're just going to buy, go in and buy from someone else. It's how, happen, it's how it happens. I mean, it's like, you know, again, a bad analogy is if you're talking to a girl in a club and everything is going really well. But you're like, yeah, I won't go for the clothes. I'll just go home. She's going to go with someone else. So you've got to close the deal, you know, when you can. So webinars are, are the same. You know, when as soon as someone gets on, you have to understand that they're there to learn from you. You are the expert or, or your your customer is the expert. You know, the, the, your client is the expert. So number one, always remember that. Always remember that they're there to listen to you, not the other way around. Number two, when it comes to selling, always feel confident that, you know, what you sell, is the best thing they could get today. And, and it is. I mean, that's why they're there. So always in your mind when you're preparing for it, know that people want to be sold to. That's number one. Number two, you know, there are the different ways to close people on a webinar. First of all, even before you get to the pitch part, you should always give value. You should always, you know, give people enough value so that they, they see that even for free, they get to learn so much from you. That for paid, it would just completely blow everything out of the water. So, you know, the free thing that you give to them has to be just amazing, like really good. Even if they leave after that, it should add enough value to their business. But when it comes to the pitch, I like to go through three things. One of them is logic close. The second is emotional close. And the third is scarcity close. So the logic close is simple is that they understand everything about the webinar. They understand why that package would be important for them. And you just drive the point home that, hey, listen, I'm adding this, you know, all of these features, all of this value. There's bonus number one, bonus number two, bonus number three and so on. That's, you know, logic driven. So a lot of men, for example, are logic driven when it comes to making decisions. But ironically enough, when it comes to buying, they go into emotional mode. So, you know, we come to that. The second mode is the emotional mode where you tell them that, hey, if you don't buy this today, it's okay. But here's what life could be like if you do buy it. Here's how things could turn out if you do make a decision today. So it's about positioning your offer in an emotional way. So people really feel that, they can get a lot out of it. And I think they can. I mean, if you are pitching your service well, people can get a lot of what you're selling to them. The third one is a scarcity close. So if both of these fail, people are still on the call, they're waiting, you drive the scarcity home. You say this is only available for a short time. You say that your bonuses are going to expire. You say that this is, you know, there's a first mover advantage here. And if you don't get there right now, someone else is going to get, you know, get benefits for using the system. So 
if as long as you go through these three things and as long as you go through an objection list as well that they could have, you will be able to close a lot of people. I mean, we ourselves have been able to close 70% of the people in past just by doing these three steps and then going through the objection one more time at the end. Right. Yep. So it's, it's about just acknowledging that they're actually there for the webinar and they want to buy something for you from you. Um, we say webinar a lot, uh, but a couple of people have been mentioning lately that they're moving away from calling it webinars. What's your opinion there? Um, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but it is what it is. Yeah, when you're selling, I mean, (laughs) because people come, they know that they're going to be pitched. They go, they know that they're going to be sold to. Um, So, yeah, are you still calling them webinars when you're promoting them or do you call them workshops or do you call them training sessions? (laughs) What are you calling them? It's a good, it's a very, very good question. And I think it really depends on how you want to position it. Now, now the way I look at it is if you call it workshop and if you, or if you call it training, you really have to give a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you really, really have to give a lot. If it's a webinar, you know, we get people who are diehard fans of our company. For example, we get people who know that they're going to be pitched to and they're ready to buy. If I do a workshop or a training, you know, I would have to up my game like 10 times and, and that's completely okay. I think that's what people mm-hmm. expect. They should get so much more out of that that workshop. I just want to throw in like an example there of someone I know who ran something like this. You know, they said uh, it's a workshop. You pay one dollar right now, and you know after the end of it, we'll charge you another ninety-seven dollar payment. It'll be automatically charged. And if you want to get a refund, you basically just you know let us know, and we'll give you a refund, no problem. And they ran a three-hour session, right? So it was like really good training. Yeah. But here's what they also did. Within that training, that they delivered another pitch for a $497 product. And funnily enough, a lot of people bought it because, you know, they had already committed by paying a dollar. Mm-hmm. So even if they had paid a dollar, they bought the 497 thing. And even if after that they go and say, okay, you know, I want the refund for 97 that's still okay. You're still $400 up. So, you know, in that sense, there are many ways to position it. It really depends on what you want to deliver. If you're kind of new to this and, you know, you don't really have that that much expertise in something, you're sure you could go and just do it as a webinar. But if you're in public speaking, if you can deliver lessons on psychology, then sure, do it as a workshop because I think then it would really help people. And at the end of it, you can have a soft pitch and you can follow up by email after that. Right, exactly. Um, You've mentioned, um, you haven't mentioned it today, but I've heard you talk about the Pareto principle before. How do you work in, uh, well, do you want to briefly explain Pareto um, to our seven bigger fairness listeners um, and how you apply this to webinars? Sure. So Pareto's principle, in essence, is that 20% of the work that you do delivers 80% of the results. Uh, and 80% of the work that you do delivers 20% of the results, which is which just kind of makes you know that 20% redundant. So, you know, I like Pareto's law because as entrepreneurs, we have so many ideas. We have so many clients we can work with. There's so many webinars we can do. So the thing is what we found after doing, I think we've done till date about 500 plus webinars. And what we found was that we spend a lot of time preparing for them. And unfortunately, some of them just don't work. I mean, for some of them, the clients just back out. It just doesn't really, you know, the, the improvement in results is very little when we try and do a really good job or an amazing job. So I think we decided that quite some time ago is that we're going to focus on doing the bare bones in the beginning just to see how the results are going to be. And of course, if they're good, we'll, do, we'll go all the way. So in the beginning, when we are creating a webinar presentation, what we used to do was we'd get a full-time designer on board who'll do icons, you know, every single image on the webinar would be carefully crafted by him to get higher conversions. And then we realized that even if I don't let him do all of that, even if I work with, you know, a widescreen uh, PowerPoint webinar background, and if I just go with that, 
it still gets good numbers because at the end of the day, it is about the pitching. It's about the positioning on the webinar as well. So, you know, we realized that we were doing a lot of wasteful processes, trying to do, trying to look more professional, getting really good at it. But instead, we should just have been focusing on trying to get a sale in the beginning, because once you get a sale, that's motivation enough to improve and do better. So, you know, in terms of Pareto's principle, we realized that okay, we didn't need a full-time designer for that kind of thing. We didn't need to do 10 different things that we were doing. We could focus on the bare bones, build the results. And of course, if the results are good and long lasting, then we could get someone to work on a full-blown presentation. So Pareto's law, I mean, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you have 10 different ideas, Pareto's law allows you to give only 20% to those and find, find out which one of them is really profitable for you. And then once you have one or two of them, you really go deep into them and you scale them up. So that is very, very crucial when you're trying to juggle multiple clients. And it is going to happen if you do everything what I've told you today. Yeah. Do you, um, on that and just managing multiple clients, do you have any tools that you use, um, any software tools? I know that I use Asana um, and also Basecamp often. Um, Hi-Rise HQ, um, they're all my awesome little you know, collection of tools. What do you use to manage stuff? I use Asana as well, you just like you. Asana. Yeah, I am looking at an application called Glip. Uh, it's G-L-I-P. Okay. It's new. It's like Asana and Slack built in together. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of looking into it because I want to minimize the number of tools that we use and, you know, just bring everything together. So I'll check out Glip as well, but at the moment we use Asana. Yeah, I mean, Asana's great because it lets you create lists and plan out your projects and manage certain people. And I think... It's free up to about 16 users or something like that. So if you have 16 staff or or whatever, um, you can't. You don't have to pay. So it's like awesome. So well, there's a little, there's a little as well. I'll tell you. I think we've used it in our company. Uh, We can actually have multiple groups under that. So what we have done is we have separated the launch team and the the promotion team and the product development team because they they grew too big. So I couldn't have 30 people in one room. So I just have now rooms of 10 people each. And that works pretty well as well. Excellent. Yeah, that's good. And then you've got a little bit more focused as well. So you don't have to have all of this stuff popping up that you don't really need to look at right at that moment. Um, So do you have any last minute bits of advice to share with our listeners uh, before we wrap this up? Sure. I mean, even if you think that this seems a bit difficult to do, just just do this exercise. You can go to Munchai, for example, and look at all the launches that are happening or alternatively go to Amazon, find all the bestsellers and, you know, get hired every year, whoever, and mail 100 people in a week and see how many responses you get. I can guarantee you that at least five people would be willing to get on a call with you and you would close at least one person for, for something that would deliver you $5,000 plus for a few hours of work. And I mean, I really think it is profitable. You just have to sit down and do it. Yep. Good advice. Good advice. Well, thank you very much, Neil, for joining us on our show. And I appreciate your time. Likewise, Cindy. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Seven Figure Furnace with Cindy Donovan. If you like what you just heard, please share our web address, wildfireconcepts.com, with your friends and colleagues. To catch our previous podcasts packed with more insight from self-made millionaire fire starters, check the archives on our website. This has been a Wildfire Concepts production. Join us again at our next edition of Seven Figure Furnace.